Hey, welcome to Pickled Parables. My name's Jesse. This episode is called Sharing is Caring. And we're going to look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. The author of this letter has spent an incredible amount of time explaining what a daily life with the Holy Spirit looks like. What it means to live in the victory of Jesus Christ's resurrection. So in today's passage, the Apostle Paul focuses more on the how of living out the command to love one another. How can this love be demonstrated? How are we to interact with each other? How are we to walk by the Spirit in living out this divine calling of caring for one another? So as you listen, look specifically for what Christians are called to do, how Christians are to do it, and why Paul gave these instructions. So with that, let's take a look at today's lesson. You know, it's interesting. God has such a, an interesting way of providing the necessities of life for his servants. Often it's received through fellow man, but God orchestrates it. He dictates it out of a place of sovereignty. Here, let me share a testimony with you. This is a testimony of a guy named George. He lived in the 1800s, so this, this was a while ago. Uh, but this man, George, he supported and protected over 10,000 orphan children uh, during his lifetime. And he did it all by his active faith in God and through his powerful prayers that were rooted in his faith. George didn't get paid for this work. He didn't make money. He, he didn't host fundraisers. He didn't make public appeals for donations or he didn't even set up personal meetings to discuss what the orphanage could need, the, the different needs of the orphanage. He trusted solely that God would provide for the children that he housed, and he presented every need to the Lord every day. One pretty famous example of a need they had is when his orphanage ran out of food. 300 children sat down to eat breakfast, and George sat down with them, and he prayed a prayer of, of blessing. He thanked the Lord for the food that they were about to have, despite not having any food prepared for them. After a, a slight awkward moment, there was a knock at the door, and it was the, the local baker. He said that God had woken him up in the middle of the night and told him to bake more bread than usual and then take it to the orphanage. It's, it's just incredible. George thanked the man, took the bread, he went inside and gave it to the children. Not a few moments later, there was another knock at the door. This time it was the the local milkman. A wheel had broken on his cart outside the orphanage and he didn't want to leave the cart to, to go get the things needed to fix it because he said the milk would just get stolen. So he decided to give all the milk in the cart to George and the children of his orphanage. Just absolutely stunning. George Mueller is praised today as, as an exemplary model of Christian faith. I, I should mention, he, he died a very poor man. He died in 1898. But every need was taken care of. 
He didn't have an excess of wealth. He didn't even have a nest egg tucked away for emergencies. He was very poor. But his faith not only inspired others, it gave opportunity for God to demonstrate his faithfulness. It it gave opportunity for others to practice their faith. George Mueller's faith falls firmly into the teachings of Scripture, like 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7. That says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Also, there's Matthew chapter 6. This is during Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, King Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore don't be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what should we drink? Or what should we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Written in the Bristol Times newspaper on the day of George's funeral, it said that he was raised up for the purpose of showing that the age of miracles is not past. Because George's accomplishments, he opened four orphanages, he helped over 10,000 orphans, he did so much. All of his accomplishments were only accomplished through the faithfulness of God. God miraculously took care of George and all the children that he housed. But God would frequently partner with other local people to dispense his blessing. Like that baker who woke up and listened to what God had told him in making extra bread for the orphanage. There are countless testimonies surrounding George Mueller of how God led people to dispense his blessings. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul speaks specifically about this idea of caring for one another, bearing with one another, being led by the Spirit to love one another without developing a a self-centered sense of pride. Today we're going to pick up in verse 6 where this idea is further developed. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 through verse 10. I'm just going to read the, the passage for today. Let the one who is taught the word, the word of God, share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. 
God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is continuing Paul's line of thought from Galatians chapter 5. Paul spoke about the difference of living according to the flesh and living according to the Spirit. Paul phrased it as gratifying the desires of the flesh and walking by the Spirit. This idea of living a a daily life became compounded in chapter 6 with how Paul talked about uh, bearing with or living with one another. So as we pick up in chapter 6, verse 6, we are continuing this thread of thought by addressing how we should care for one another. So Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, this certainly addresses the blessing of encouragement. It is so encouraging when a student comes up to their teacher and shares how their teaching has benefited them, how how their teaching has impacted them. As a a teacher, it it can be difficult to, uh, I don't know, you you become easily overwhelmed by the research. The preparation reading all the things, setting all the things up, writing the different things, it, it can be really taxing. It can drain your mental cognition to a point of weariness. Teaching is hard. It, it is. But to have someone come up to you and, and share a word of encouragement through something that they've learned, that, <laughs> that can refresh you. That, that can bring motivation to you. And that can bless a teacher beyond words. So let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. This certainly includes encouraging the teacher by showing them the fruits of their labor. But something else that Paul is addressing is the instruction of support. Not just an an encouraging type of support, but a financial support and a, a, a physical support. Let those who are taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Paul addresses this topic in five other places among the epistles. Just for the sake of time, I'll, I'll only share two of them with you. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 3 through 14, it says, This is my defense to those who would examine me. This is Paul speaking. Uh, do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a, a believing wife? as do the the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord at Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a, a flock without getting some of the milk? Now, do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law Say the same, for it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. 
Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple, in the temple service, they get their food from the temple. And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Paul also wrote in Philippians chapter 4, this one is much shorter, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, uh, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you, the Philippians, yourselves, you know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory to Christ Jesus." Now, this, let me just point out, this is the same attitude as George Mueller, being content with little, knowing how to live with abundance, and trusting that the Lord will provide. Yet even with this mentality, Paul is instructing the Galatians to do their part, to remember and give care to the teachers who instruct them. Let the one who is taught the word Share all good things with the one who teaches. Take care of them. Support them so that they can continue teaching and instructing you. But, uh, I'll make clear, this isn't supposed to come from an obligation. This is the continuation of Paul's instruction from Galatians 5.13. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, Serve one another. And this is developed in chapter 6, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And now we have in verse 6, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Let's look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. 
God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, it's, it's true in a, a, a general sense that we reap whatever we sow, uh, meaning we, we harvest whatever we plant. But it, it should be noticed that this reminder comes right after an instruction of Christian giving and supporting teachers of the word. So as Paul says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he reap. These Galatian Christians' lives were in full view of God. And God's not mocked. That is, people don't get to go behind God's back and demean him. This this phrase that Paul uh, is using, it comes through in our language to uh, uh, mocked or mockery or make a mock of. For him, it it comes from the word uh, knows. Uh, Not not like he knows or like he's aware, but like the, the thing that's on your face, knows. Right? It's, it's like this idea of turning your nose up to someone. Right? Like, you can picture that. It means, basically, to treat contemptuously. To claim that one accepts the whole counsel of God as found in his word, and then act in contradiction to what that word commands so clearly is to treat God with contempt. God cannot be mocked without bringing about his displeasure and discipline. Thus, the phrase you reap what you sow. And if you genuinely believe that you can have this contempt without consequence, you're deceiving yourself. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Verse 8, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. This is calling to mind Paul's passage about works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, with which he concludes by saying, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. To sow to your own flesh is to look to your own interests beyond anyone else's. It's not the love of others, it's the love of self, the desire for self gratification, the positioning of self above others. The only long-term reward from this practice is that of physical corruption and decay. Jesus himself declared in his Sermon on the Mount, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That last sentence there is key here. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Do you remember how Paul told the Philippians that the the gifts that they had sent to him, that they gave to him, were like a fragrant offering, a a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. What did he mean by that? How How was it a gift to God if he was the one who received it? It's because that is the way God chose 
to provide for Paul in that moment. The Philippians were led by the Spirit to share gifts of support to Paul, just like how that baker was led by God to bake bread for George Mueller and his his kids. The one who sows to the Spirit has laid up their treasure in a place of everlasting. Verse 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Paul gives further uh, encouragement here, urging the Galatians to stay steady, to not grow weary or lose heart. The reward of everlasting, it's rarely immediate. And sometimes Christians might actually suffer rather than prosper after sharing with one another. So Paul tells them, don't be discouraged. In due season, we will harvest what we have sown in the Spirit. They needed to remember that the reaping of the spiritual harvest would come when God determined that the time was right. So Paul wraps up this instruction with verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So now this goes beyond teachers. This includes people like George Mueller. As we have opportunity, let us share all good things with those around us, and especially to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Through Christ, we are called to love one another. Jesus told his disciples that the world will know that you are mine because of how you love one another. And this love, it it doesn't come from a place of of self-gathered or self-willed emotion. This love comes from the Holy Spirit, and He directs us in how to demonstrate this divine care to others. Sharing is caring. (laughs) And as we walk by the Spirit, we should be sensitive to His leading and bear with one another with joyful giving. Don't grow weary of, of doing good and Also, don't become prideful in how good you might be. We reap what we sow. So take care of one another and use every opportunity that you're given. John Wesley, he said it so succinctly. I'm just, I'm going to let him say this. I'm going to use his statement and then I'll close. John Wesley said, Do all the good that you can in all the ways that you can to all the people that you can, as long as ever you can. So let it be. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Pickled Parables. We are nearing the end of this epistle, this study in Galatians, and we have the goal of finishing it in the next episode. Next time, we'll look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. And we'll check out Paul's final instructions and his warnings for these churches in Galatia. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to these lessons. We at Parable have been praying for you who listen that the Lord may be glorified through your learnings and that you may be encouraged in your daily walk with the Spirit. If you'd like to reach out to us to ask a question or to leave us a a comment, send us an email at contact at parableministries.com or find us at Instagram at parable underscore ministries. Thank you for listening again. I really do appreciate it. 
Until next week, I'll catch you later.